2: Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network. Available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Thanks for listening to the Best of the Herd podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday on Fox Sports Radio at noon to 3 Eastern, 9 a.m. to noon Pacific. Find your local station for the herd at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Fox Sports Radio or FSR.
0: This is the best of the herd with Colin Cowher on Fox Sports Radio.
3: Here we go. It is a Thursday. We are live in Los Angeles. It's the herd wherever you may be and however you may be watching or listening. Thanks for making us part of your day tonight. Niners, probably the best roster in the league, maybe the best team, takes on the Giants that are injury ravaged. It should be a blowout. The great ones can do it without all their starters. Good luck to Daniel Jones tonight on the road. Uh, J-Mac is joining us one hour from now. The great Greg Cosell. If you bet football, fantasy football, just want to get smarter in football, Greg Cosell, 15-minute meat sandwich, breaks down what we saw last week, what to expect this week. If you love football, bet it fantasy. He's the guy that's in one hour from now. So the Chicago thing, it was uh, started to unravel when we left our show yesterday. The Bears, Jason. It just, it's, there's just, it was not good, and it appears to be getting worse. Is that fair? Uh, I would say that's <laughs> fair. Yes, things are trending poorly for the Chicago Bears adjusted fields. Yeah. Okay, so there are five stages of failing quarterbacks in the NFL. It usually goes in stages. So the five stages of a failing quarterback. It starts with hype, hype and expectations. So people are unrealistic. Oh, he's going to be this. He's going to be that. He's going So it always starts with hype. Number 2 for failed quarterbacks, it's inconsistent. There's flashes of brilliance, flashes of talent, but it's just inconsistent. 3, blame him or not, there's mounting losses. You're just not winning enough games. Justin Fields is 5 and 22. Then there's media criticism or fan criticism or both. Sometimes the fans start it. Sometimes the media do. But everybody's getting banged on talk radio. Everybody's getting banged. The players are reading about it. And then the fifth stage is blame. And that's where we are. Blame's the final stage. All right, so we're through one through four. Now we're into blame. And here was yesterday, Justin Fields, during a press conference, right? There was this press conference, and a lot of people didn't like what he said. Here it is.
4: I felt like, you know, I wasn't necessarily playing my game. Uh, I felt like I was kind of robotic and, you know, n- not just, not 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 playing like myself. So, um, you know, um, my goal this week is just to, you know, say effort and just go out there and, you know, play football how I know how to play football.
5: When you say thinking less, what do you think was causing you to think so much, maybe think too much?
4: Um, You know, could be, uh, you know, uh, coaching. Now, in America
3: today, you're not allowed to have a wrong word or a wrong sentence. That's not the end of the world to me. He's a kid. You're in front of the media. They ask questions. It's remarkable. The media would never demand they be perfect, but we always demand young kids are perfect. So that didn't do a ton for me, but then he had to answer it later because everybody said, oh, a guy's blaming the coaches. So here he was
4: later. I'm not blaming anything on the coaches. I'm never going to blame anything on the coaches. never going to blame anything on my teammates. I will take... Every whatever happens in the game, I will take all the blame. I don't care if it's a drop pass, it should have been a pass. Put it on me. I need to play better. That's it. Point blank. If if y'all that's that's what I should have said. So everybody liked that one better.
3: Um, I think the bigger issue, beyond words and you know, nobody's perfect. It's okay. People say things and then regret it. It's okay. I think the bigger issue is there is mounting evidence he's maybe not a franchise quarterback. He holds the ball way too long. Many of his sacks, in fact, by a mile in the NFL, he leads the NFL since he got into it. Sacks with four-plus seconds in the pocket. His career passer rating is under 80. Here's what it is. They created a passer rating so we could kind of make these broad kind of, you know, opinions on how good quarterback play. They, they count a lot of different things. His is low, and he doesn't uh, appear to be improving. So then you have to go deep, 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 deep in the numbers. Well, is he good in the fourth quarter? Nope. It's his lowest passer rating, 61 to 9, 61.9. So he's not good late in games. You need great quarterbacks or good late in games, Mahomes, Brady. Okay, but maybe he's good like Russell Wilson. He's good on script. No, his first quarter passer rating's not good either. That's his second lowest passer rating. Not good early on script, not good late. There's no circumstance he's excelling. I even went this morning and looked, okay, what's his passer rating when he leads? So I've been very critical of Baker Mayfield. But I always said Baker leading with a run game was good. Baker Mayfield's career passer rating when leading a game is 94. Mac Jones, you guys don't like him. His career passer rating when leading is 100. Justin Fields is 62. Two touchdowns, seven picks. Not good early, not good late. Not good leading. Now, I think the running Justin Fields is the best Justin Fields, and I'm not giving up all hope. Who knows what happens in Kansas City? For the record, 50% of first-round quarterbacks do not work. That's first-round quarterbacks. In his draft class, Zach Wilson appears to be a miss. Trey Lance appears to be a miss. Mac Jones is successful, but a lot of people are very critical of him. The good news is, for the Chicago Bears, it is a great College quarterback draft class. You have two potential top eight, 10 picks. Aaron Rodgers is out of the division. So there's there's positive news for the franchise. For Justin Fields, you got to go play better and win games. There is mounting evidence. He holds the ball too long. Translation probably doesn't see the field great. It does feel a lot like Zach Wilson. Got the arm, got the athletic ability, some college success. Why isn't it working? Both have defensive coaches. You can blame offensive coordinators. Go ahead. But generally speaking, it's five stages. It's hype. It's inconsistency. It's mounting losses. Here comes the heat from fans and media. And then it's blame. Yesterday felt a little bit like blame. Again, let's not crush the kid because he said it could be a little coaching. For the record, I don't know why last week they wouldn't let him run. That is on coaching. In fairness to Justin Fields, I would say that's coaching. They obviously told him not to run. Because he's a good runner. All right. Here's a second story. Now, now, like, listen. I'm not. Uh, I don't even know what a great parent is. Who knows? You know. I think I. I tend to think that uh, kids do a lot more work than the parents. I remember years ago, Bobby Knight used to brag about my kids go to class, and everybody would, be, oh, Bobby Knight's kids go to class, and Bobby Knight, his kids go to class. Well, shouldn't we give the kids the credit for going to class? I mean, most like to go to class, right? Not every college athlete's just trying to skip out on class. Like, going to class is part of the college experience. And I always think, you know, however your kids Let people love to brag about their kids, but sometimes, you know, I would say 90% of what kids end up being is based on kids, their choices. Um, Parents can certainly help, but it's hard as a great parent to correct some kids, even if you are perceived as a great parent. So the point being, Dion Sanders' dad, son Shadur Sanders, And in most cases, I don't think the dad should say, stay in college. I think you should go where the draft experts tell you to go. And Shadur Sanders, to me, is a top 10 pick this year. But in this instance, it is a little different. Because Caleb Williams is number one. And Deion Sanders did an interview, and he talked about the reality of this
4: draft class. It's it's not about what I'm seeing from them. Mm-hmm. It's about a whole lot of other things. Um, teams, um, position, um, round projection, all of that plays a role. Mm-hmm. Because now with NIL and who they are, shoot, you could make just as much money here as you can there. But you' don't want to be too to nobody. He don't get down like that. So you know, people projected him behind uh, you know Caleb Williams, and Caleb Williams is is, is phenomenal. But Shadour ain't no backseat rider.
3: That's uh, Taylor Rooks' Bleacher Report. Uh, my takeaway on this is he's certainly talented enough to be a number one pick. He's not as good as Caleb Williams. Is he better served? Just getting an insurance policy, coming back and being the number one pick. But I don't know if that's right. Because the big money for quarterbacks, as Patrick Mahomes, is in your second and third contract, not your first. And also, again, take the injury out of it. That would be the worst case scenario. Here's the other advantage to coming out this year. So the ringer did a mock draft. We don't know who's going to finish where. We do know Arizona's not very good. But if you look at Arizona's, or if you look at the ringer's, mock draft, the athletic, I'm sorry, the athletic. If you come out this year and you're the third quarterback taken, you'll likely, because the Colts aren't going to draft a quarterback, the Giants aren't going to draft a quarterback, it's very likely you'll go to Denver, Sean Payton, Minnesota offensive coach, Justin Jefferson, stable organization, or the Jets, Aaron Rodgers last year, and a completely loaded defense. Remember, Zach Wilson's done. They're drafting a left tackle or a quarterback. And quarterback's more important than left tackle, (laughs) right? Aaron off an Achilles surgery. It's a left tackle or a quarterback. If Sanders is there, they draft him. They would draft him. Both the tackles could be gone. So my point is, yes, he could be a number one pick next year. But do you think the worst team in the NFL the previous year is going to be better than Sean Payton, the Jets defense, Justin Jefferson and an offensive coach? The big money for all players in the NFL, especially quarterbacks, is your second or third contract. It's not your first. And okay, you can say, I was number one. Just more pressure. Just a crappier roster. I mean, Andrew Luck would still be playing had he not gone to Indianapolis with a bad O-line, a GM that whiffed, a coach that got fired, and bad protection. What if Andrew Luck would have gone ninth, twelfth? So I go back and forth on this. I get the argument you can make money in NIL. That's true. I get the argument he doesn't want to play second fiddle to Caleb Williams. I get all of that. So let's take the injury stuff out. That's worst-case scenario. Um, but I, I, don't we all agree on this? That where you go is 90% of the game, isn't it? I mean, as good as Caleb Williams is. If I said to you, he failed. What would your number one reason be? He went to Arizona. (laughs) Wouldn't be, he's not talented enough. Joel Klatt yesterday talked about Shadur Sanders and the possibility he would stay in school. It's not as cut and dry as it used to be because of NIL, right? So it's not just like, you have to go. The rookie contract is, is not out of this world. Dion's going to be there next year. So's Travis Hunter. So Shudor can think to himself, listen, I'm going to be with my dad and Travis and give this another year, and there's every reason to believe that he could be the number one pick next year. By the way, you see the numbers of these broadcasts. We think of NIL like, oh, yeah, he can make a couple million bucks. I think Shadur might be able to make $10 million. So currently, according to the NIL calculators, wherever those are, Google, I bet. Um, Shadur Sanders has the second highest, to, to Bronny James, the second highest estimated earning potential, NIL. Well, that's only going to grow. That's not going backwards. He's yet to play USC or Oregon. A lot of the country is going to get introduced over and over and over. So it's really interesting. I I go back and forth on this. The NIL issue does make me think there could be a kid every year that stays in college. But I think this year going seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I end up with Justin Jefferson and that offensive coach, stable organization in Minnesota, Sean Payton in Denver, Jerry, Judy, Cortland, Sutton, and Mims, the kid they just drafted. There are worse places to land. Or the Jets' defense in a year behind Aaron Rodgers. That's about as well as you can do as a top 10 pick. That's about as well as you can do. Sean Payton and good receivers. The Jets' defense. One of the best young receivers. Minnesota, Justin Jefferson, the best receiver in the league. Just stuff to think about. I don't have the answer, but it is, you know, it it's an interesting conversation. The NIL clouds all of it, because you can make a lot of money. My point though, if you come out not this year, but the following year, well, you're still if you go number one, you're still going to a bad roster. It's not like Kansas City's gonna have the number one pick. They wouldn't take a quarterback anyway. I have a great parlay for you this weekend, thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook. New users Use the code HERD when you download the app. All right, I'm going to go with a three-dog parlay pick via DraftKings Sportsbook. All right, Chargers plus one of the Vikings. They have a better team. They're desperate, better roster. And I think this is the moment for the Chargers this season. Line in the sand. Lose. They're thinking about a new coach. I think they win. They've had moments in both their losses— Chargers win by a touchdown. Steelers plus three at the Raiders. Why? I think Pittsburgh's a better roster overall. After an ugly win and an epically bad performance by the O-line, they'll hear about it from Tomlin and play inspired. Take the Steelers by a touchdown. And Rams plus one at the Bengals, Joe Burrow may not play. And the Rams are the shock of the league. If you want to take the herd parlay, check out DraftKings Sportsbook. New users use the code H E R D Herd when you download the app. Chargers, Steelers, Rams. Like it, I love it.
0: 21-plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877 8 hope and or text HOPE-N-Y-467-369. See show notes for full details. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura podcast network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver.
4: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Baker Mayfield, certainly on this show and around the country, got a lot of crap. He sort of deserves this moment. Uh, Deshaun Watson is the new Cleveland quarterback. Baker Mayfield is the former Cleveland quarterback. And Baker is having a great season. He's been really good on third down. And his numbers bear it out. 69% completion percentage, uh, passer rating 104. He's getting protection, doesn't cost the franchise a ton of money, and Deshaun Watson's been a miss. And, again, he's gotten a lot of crap. He deserves this. I'm actually more impressed with Baker today than I was ever in Cleveland. And there's a couple of reasons. One, he's just better as an underdog. He just is. I fueled him at, at Oklahoma when he came in as an underdog. Uh, He's got a chip on his shoulder, uh, a mile long. It is who he is. He's better as an underdog. Secondly, Tampa, there's no pressure in Tampa. Even good teams, there's no pressure in Tampa. You know, in Cleveland, number one pick, same division as Ravens, Steelers. There's just a lot of heat. And third, Tampa, Tampa's won Super Bowls. Cleveland hasn't. Tampa's got a history of loading up a franchise from time to time and being great. Could this be, for the next two to three years, the Geno Smith story? Now you say to yourself, come on, they struggle, can't handle the pressure, kind of immature first start, bounce around the league and then go to a place that's got some star receivers, low expectations, geographically far northwest, down in Tampa, not a lot of heat, and they're pretty good. Why couldn't it be that? Baker was better in Cleveland than Geno was in New York. Why couldn't it be that? I think this football team is way better than I thought, and let's say they win eight games. I know they're two and eight games. Nine games. Seven games. They'll be drafting somewhere between like 13th and 17th. They'll probably take a quarterback, Riley Leonard. Duke, he projects to go about there. He's not going to be ready to play year one. So Baker has a good year this year. Baker has a good year, and the rookie sits behind him next year. Then they go into the third camp, and they battle. Aaron Rodgers sat for years. Jordan Love sat for years. It's not crazy. I think Baker throws a better football than Geno Smith. Geno's bigger, and I think he's he's pretty mobile for his size, moves pretty well. But I think Baker throws a better football. I said before, when Baker and I were having our issues, I never denied his talent. I always said, he's not a number one pick. But he's one of the top 20, 25 best quarterbacks on the planet. He's probably closer to, you know, uh, 20 than 10. He's somewhere in there. Throws a good football. I got a lively arm. Now he's healthy Finally. You know, a lot of his Cleveland stuff is he tried to square up a safety after an interception, I think it was a safety, and got his shoulder pulled out. Then he came back too early, got injured again, and he was just never right physically, and he tends to play with a lot of chutzpah and confidence. And when he got hurt, pro athletes lose their confidence. I think that's a big part of it. He was playing pretty well pre that injury. But I believe it or not, this makes me happy. I think you could have absolutely – with this roster, a Geno Smith story. In that division, you tell me they can't sneak into the playoffs? I mean, Carolina rookie quarterback, Atlanta, meh. New Orleans 2-0, but not blown anybody away. Here's Todd Bowles on his quarterback. He's been through a lot in five years. He's been through ups and downs. He's, he knows it's not about him. It's about the team. He's been very smart with the football. If you don't turn it over, you give yourselves a chance. You know, that, that's
4: important. You have to take chances, but you can't turn it over as well. He's been doing a great job at that.
3: Humbled like Geno Smith? Matured like Geno Smith? Why not? got players. Seattle had some players. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern,
0: 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app.
3: You know, we've been talking about Justin Fields. Chicago's a big market. Now, J-Mac liked the Bears before the season. I did not. Uh, and I said I thought I thought Justin Fields was kind of, kind of a 60-40 going to make it. I did think D.J. Moore was a great acquisition. Uh, he does have a defensive head coach. I think that hurts. Mike Tomlin, Kenny Pickett, I don't think it's great. Don, Mike Zimmer struggled with Kirk Cousins. Uh, Pete Carroll at one point struggled with Russell Wilson. Belichick didn't ever go to dinner with, with Brady. It's just a different world. I think it's a huge benefit for Brock Purdy and Tua having offensive coaches. Tua is the same guy as four years ago. He just got a different coach, defense to offense. Now he's a pro bowler. Before he was like a bust, a borderline bust. Well, what happened? He didn't get taller. His arm didn't get stronger. Tua got somebody that knows how to develop offense, put their arms around him, gave him support. Young people more than old people need support. Once you get to be my age, I don't give a rip what people think. Made my money, got my career, happily married, kids in college. I'm good. But when you're young and you're growing, Haven't gotten the bag yet, fame yet, acclaim yet, sometimes confidence yet. You need support. So I don't think it helps him. Chicago, and I've said this before, is a defensive culture. They're still bragging about the 85 Bears. It's a defensive town and a defensive culture. Dick Buckus, Brian Urlacher, Richard Dent, that's the history. They've never had a great receiver. They've never had a great quarterback. I can name you 10 defensive guys. They had safeties, corners, edge rushers, defensive linemen, linebackers. So, but he, he, yes, yesterday, Justin Fields said something and it was interesting. Maybe I'm overanalyzing this, but I want you to listen to this.
4: You know, at the end of the day, it makes it, you know, uh, they're doing their job when they're giving me, you know, what to look at and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I, you know, can't be thinking about that when the game comes. I prepare myself throughout the week. And then when the game comes, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's time to play free at that point. So, um, you know, just thinking less and, you know, playing more.
3: That doesn't sound right. That works in high school and sometimes in college. Jimmy Johnson came on this show, I think it was Monday or not last week. It was recently. And he said, and I believe this to be true. I've heard it before. The two things that make you successful in the NFL, quickly processing information before the snap and immediately after, And then accurately delivering the football. Thinking a lot. Before the play and the minute the ball is snapped. It's not just going out there and playing. I'll give you an example. Dak Prescott, a great processor. Obviously a smart guy. Very good pre-snap. Until last year, doesn't throw a lot of picks. He was a 3-to-1 TD to interception ratio guy. So Dak doesn't have Justin Fields' athletic ability, size, or arm. Doesn't. But Dak's a great processor. Now, last year, his interceptions went up because the feeling was they were asking him to do more than physically he is. Dak tends to be somebody that can manage it, make the occasional throw. Smart guy, get out of trouble. Dak keeps you out of trouble. His all-time highlight reel for Dak isn't that great. But he doesn't get you in trouble much. He's a thinker. He's a pre-snap. It's all pre-snap. Ball snap for about a second and a half. Where's everybody going? Then you can play freely. So I, I, I worry about that. And I think... And and so when I, Justin Fields, and the the numbers tell you this, he either isn't processing the play once the ball is snapped, or if he does, he can't accurately get it there. Both are a huge problem. But I, I, and I am not anti-running quarterback. I support Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts. They're all very good simultaneously in the pocket. Lamar Jackson's been better in the pocket for the last four years. Nobody wants to admit it. He's good in the pocket. He's very good. Josh Allen's very good in the pocket. Jalen Hurts says, but I like their running, but Justin Beals in the pocket, his pocket passer rating 76. That's what it is this year. It's 70. (laughs) That's what it is. So I I think at some point, I, I, this, this whole thing about, Hey, during the week, I get all this coaching. Then I'm just going to go play. That's not that. That's not really the NFL. It's hard. And so much, I think Dak Prescott's a great example, a fourth round pick, never had a big arm, Even his college coach, Dan Mullen, came on our show, and it's like, you know, we we never thought he was a great thrower of the football. But how does he do it? Really smart pre-snap, never gets you in big trouble, with his arm, which is okay, quickly identifies where to throw it and gets it there fast and accurately. Jimmy Garoppolo is a great example of this. Jimmy Garoppolo can't run. He's the opposite of Justin Fields. He gets rid of it super quick and accurately. No athletic ability. Jimmy Garoppolo is like near the bottom this year in the NFL in three and outs. Only a couple, I think, bottom. Jimmy Garoppolo and Lamar Jackson are tied in the NFL for the fewest three and out drives. Now, Lamar, we get. Jimmy, we're like, what? Garoppolo is the opposite of fields. Very limited. Doesn't have a big arm. Doesn't throw much up the sideline. Can't pick up a first down running. Pre-snap, get rid of it, accurate, process, out. That's Dak's career. He processes stuff very fast. Just sees the field. Zach Wilson cannot see the field. I don't know what it is. Dak Prescott's always been good at it. Rookie year, preseason, always good. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays
0: at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura podcast network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver.
4: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever
3: you get your podcasts. Greg Cosell, 44 years NFL Films, our NFL meat sandwich live. <laughs> so I will say this, the Giants game was two games, first half, second half. So there had to have, because Daniel Jones went way over the top early, what did you see with Daniel Jones? You're higher on him than many. You 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 said something once I thought was smart. You're like he's a bigger stronger Alex Smith and I like Alex Smith. So if I embrace right. if I embrace that comp, I'm like, "Okay, I'm too I'm too hard on him." Did you see something against Arizona you liked or didn't like?
6: Well, first of all, he's a better thrower than Alex Smith, but in the second half they made a little bit of an adjustment. They came out in the second half and they played with more two tight end sets. And don't forget, Jonathan Gannon is the head coach of Arizona. Now, whether he calls the defense is irrelevant, it's probably his defense. Um, And actually, I believe their coordinator also came from Philadelphia. So I guarantee Brian Dable knew what they were going to get from a coverage standpoint when they went to 12 personnel. And then they also started to use more motion. And that created cleaner, more defined passing opportunities for Jones who actually throws the ball extremely well. They started the third quarter with that bomb to uh, Jalen Hyatt, and they knew exactly what they were going to get from a coverage standpoint. It turned out to be cover four quarters, and it ended up with Hyatt one-on-one on on Marco Wilson, and he ran right by him. But Jones threw the ball really well, a lot of defined, clear throws, and uh, they were able to come back.
3: Okay, so uh, I'm going to be optimistic, Colin. So first half Russell Wilson on script has been excellent. Over 80% completion percentage. Second half Russ bad, but I could argue it's a lot of new moving pieces on the O-line to new coach, new culture. The scripted stuff is working, but when they got to add lib, which takes cohesion, chemistry, they're not very good. That's the positive, Colin, that they got the scripted stuff down. Now they got to take the next right. step, which is the cohesion on the offensive front, which hasn't been great. What does the film say about Sean Payton and Russell in the offense?
6: I would say that the film tells me that Russell Wilson is not playing very well. He continues to have a strong tendency to leave a lot of throws on the field that are there to be made, Colin. I can't tell you how many times when you watch him on tape, that he hits his back foot, doesn't even plant it, and immediately breaks down. There's really little pocket nuance and precision to his game. Um, There's just too many plays that are there, and he either doesn't see it, doesn't throw the ball. Um, You know, late in that game, before the drive that ended with a field goal, which was the second to final drive, not the Hail Mary He missed two touchdowns, one because he just didn't turn it loose, and the second because he made a really bad throw. He's not been particularly accurate. He's not playing particularly good football right now within the context of the offense, and that's what the tape shows through two games. Okay, that's not great if you're a Bronco fan. I will say this about the Commanders.
3: Every year there's a team, and we look up and we go, about Thanksgiving, that's a pretty good team. Commanders have a good defensive front, a coach that's been to a Super Bowl. Two receivers I like, a good back. And Sam Howell, I thought, has the – I've said he reminds me of a less talented baker. He, good enough arm, can make sideline throws, not super athletic, but has movement. Is it possible Sam Howell's just a little hey, – we've we've seen a lot of Dak Prescotts drafted third, fourth round, Russell Wilson. Is Sam Howell yeah. better than we think?
6: Well, Sam Howell has a couple of things that are – better than Baker, uh, two things in particular. He is more mobile than Baker. He can make plays with his legs. He won't make a living in the NFL doing that, but he can do it. The other thing where he is better than Baker, by the way, is he's much stronger in the pocket. He is willing to stand and deliver in the face of pressure. He doesn't flinch, Colin. He maintains his base, he steps toward his target, and he delivers the football. And He's an over-the-top thrower. You don't see that too often these days. You know, most quarterbacks are more 3 quarter Think of baseball pitchers. He's much more of an overhand delivery kind of thrower, and that really helps him. I'm not making an apples-to-apples comparison in terms of talent or career, but Drew Brees was like that. Drew Brees was kind of an over-the-top thrower, and Howell is like that, and that really helps him being six feet. Yeah. No, I mean, I watch Washington, and I said this before the
3: season is that I like a lot of their players. I like their skill players. I like their pass rush. If How yeah. can play, this could be the team that wins nine, ten games, and we look up and go, last year the Di- Giants surprised us. This year it could be the Commanders. They've got some really nice personnel. Now, Baltimore doesn't surprise me ever. It's well run. Lamar's numbers in the pocket – Uh, He's got Todd Munkin's offense. Well, the early indications based on just the data and the numbers is he's completing a very high percentage of his throws. Is there anything you see here? I mean, obviously, he's playing pretty well. Uh, What do you see that you like with a new offense?
6: I, I really like the way Lamar is playing. This past week, very controlled, very calculated, methodical, efficient. How many times, Colin, can we talk about a Lamar Jackson game in which the deciding and determining factor was not him running around making his special plays. Very rarely. This game, he was so controlled in the pocket. He understood the offense well. This offense will continue to expand. I would expect him to get even better. I thought he looked very, very good this week. Um, He stayed in the pocket. He understood where the ball should go. They started the game really well with kind of one-read basic concepts where he could get the ball out and get into a rhythm, which every quarterback loves, by the way, as you know. They want completions early to feel good about it. And I thought he played really, really well. And, you know, I, the two words I typed out when I was done were controlled and calculated. I thought he really played a good game, and he made good throws.
3: Yep. So, and by the way, they've gotten some weapons for him. They're a little beat up, but the, we, we said right. before the season, oh, he's finally got some... Perimeter weapons here. So it's kind of exciting for him.
6: Zay Flowers is going to be a really good player, Colin. Yep. Zay
3: Flowers. Yep. yep. And you told us that, by the way, before the draft. So, yep. I did. Yep. So Justin Fields, um, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine, John Middlecoff, former NFL scout, and he said, you know, some sure. guys, some guys are just, just they, come, they roll out of bed and it's easy accuracy. They're just naturally yep. accurate throwers. Troy Aikman, give him a football now. Put somebody put a stop sign thirty yards down the field. Yeah. He hit it today. Um,
4: yeah. And then there, are guys,
3: it's Zach Wilson. It's a lot of work. Uh, Justin, sure. Justin Fields. I, sometimes I watch him and I think, man, it can't be this hard. That's a twelve-yard curl. Did you see any difference week one to week two on Justin Fields?
6: No, I think, I think he's got some things that y- you just have to keep working on. And I know a lot of people think, well, just let him run around. You know, I, you and I both know at some point in this league, you've got to make throws from the pocket. And right now he is struggling with what he's seen. He's either getting stuck on his primary read player or primary read side of the field, depending on the concept. And he just doesn't have a natural feel for when to eliminate that and work to something else. Um, Then there are times where it appears he's looking where he should throw it, Colin, and he just doesn't throw it. So for whatever reason, it's not registering the way it's supposed to. Uh, There are throws that were there to be made in this game. There were route concepts that were there, clear as a bell, and he's just not turning the ball loose. Um, Now, we know what he said in his press conference. I don't think he quite meant it that way, but... In the NFL, you can't just play loosey-goosey and free and easy. You know, you have to be able to execute the offense based on your route uh, concepts versus the coverage. And he's still struggling with what I call elimination and isolation. He just is not eliminating what's not there and isolating where to go the way you need to do it. So...
3: You know, listen, this guy took a lot of heat from me, among others, Baker Mayfield. But I've watched him. I think he's been very good on third down. Now, he has very good weapons. But I thought he had good weapons in Cleveland. He Maybe, sure. maybe he was humbled. Maybe we have a Geno Smith story. Maybe he needed to be humbled. He needed to fail. I don't know what it is. Is, is he the same? guy? I will say this. At the end in Cleveland, he got hurt when he tried to make a tackle after an interception. He rushed back. I never felt in Cleveland at the end he was ever healthy. He and I don't think Baker I don't think any quarterback's good enough. Maybe Jalen Hurts is good enough to play hurt and be great. Mahomes in the Super Bowl was hurt and was great. But that's hard. I thought Baker in Cleveland at the end was never healthy. He didn't talk about it. He didn't look right. He couldn't make throws across his body like he could as a rookie. I think he's healthy now. And is this sustainable what you're seeing?
6: Well, that we don't know for sure, but I'll say this. Dave Canales is the new offensive coordinator. And a couple of things stand out through two games. Granted, a small sample size, but that's all we have. And they start with protection first. And that's critical for Baker because at his core, he is a timing and rhythm player. He's not really a movement player. Now, you can do design rollouts with him, sure. But he's not really a runaround guy. So you need him to feel comfortable in the pocket, and it starts with protection. He needs to be the kind of quarterback that hits his back foot and feels that he can deliver the football with timing and anticipation. Look, Colin, you and I both saw him his last year at Oklahoma. You know, he, he was a really good thrower of the football. That's why he's a number one pick in the draft. So you need to really build your offense to play to that. So it starts with protection, and they've done a really, really good job with that, you know, adding bodies to protection and allowing him to feel secure in the pocket. And one other quick point, Chris Godwin has become a really intriguing player for them. Last year, he led the NFL in slot uh, targets and receptions. This year, they're moving him around much more. He's lined up outside more than in the slot. And they're just doing more with their receivers. And I'm sure that's uh, the influence of the new coordinator.
3: So speaking of new coordinator, I contend what I've seen in the NFL through two weeks. Starters don't play much in the preseason. So if you have a coordinator change and your starters don't play, it gets ugly. Philadelphia's good. But they they got an identity crisis. They don't know what they are right now. That's what I, when I watch them, I'm like, so you didn't play any starters. You got a new coordinator. <laughs> this looks like August football on offense. But does the tape say something different? Do they have a bigger problem in Philly?
6: No, I think the tape says something totally different. I thought that was one of the best coached games by a coordinator I've seen in a long time. They did not know what they were going to get from Brian Flores. It's week two. Brian Flores' history is that he'll do anything. So you have to let the game start and play out before you understand how you want to attack it. And then they saw exactly, after three or four possessions, exactly what Brian Flores was doing. And he was basically playing five across in the secondary at quarter's depth, 10, 12, 13 yards from the line of scrimmage. And then what Brian Johnson said was, you know what? We're going to line up and we're going to run the ball because our offensive line can control their defensive front. There's no second-level defenders. And so this was a brilliant piece of in-game, in-flow management by Brian Johnson. It was not a Jalen Hurts game. The idea is to win the games. So this was not an identity crisis. This was Brian Johnson doing absolutely a beautiful thing to win that game.
3: I love that. I stand corrected. Often. TJ Hutchmanzada and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast from. I think what Sean McVay's done takes courage. I'm gonna blow it up, start over. I'm gonna hire different coaches. I'm gonna get away from some of the stuff I do. No Cooper Cup. And I thought they had the Niners, at least in the first half, guessing. They had that the Niners were just out of sorts. They didn't know what and I and I watch it when I watch a game, Greg, a lot of times I, I like to guess what's gonna be called. I had no sure. idea what the Rams were doing. I think they were so clever. So Stafford and the Rams offense, no Cooper Cup is working. It is, is what do you see? What's the film say?
6: Well, I thought that, first of all, in that game, the Niners did make a change at halftime with how they were going to play, and, and possibly because of the way the Rams were moving the football, because um, the Niners started to add more pressure concepts, more five-man rushes, yep. more man coverage. They changed up the way they played in the second half as opposed to the first half. But you and I both know, and we can debate forever whether we think that he's a Hall of Famer, but when you have Matthew Stafford, who can throw the ball as well as anybody who's played, uh, you know, you always have a chance. He can make great throws. And, you know, he was doing off-platform throws well before Patrick Mahomes was, but he was doing it in Detroit, so no one cared. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, he's a really great thrower of the football and has been. You know that was when he was in high school in Highland Park, Texas, people yeah. said he'd be the number one pick in the draft. Yeah. And he was. And he's had a really, really good career after his first two years when he was injured. And when you have him and you have that kind of thrower – He can make receivers better. But here's the other thing I will say. They are another team that is starting to really deploy a lot of motion with their receivers. And motion is becoming a major trend in the league. And when you have someone like Tutu Atwell, who's 5'6", 150 pounds, you need him to get free access off the ball, screaming at the secondary. And they're doing a really, really good job tactically of using their weapons and creating throws for Stafford. And that's all Sean McVay. Yeah.
3: LA's lucky to have McVeigh and Stafford. They're really good. They're without re- question. Really good. How about this one? I watched Deshaun Watson, took two years off. He may just have lost his yeah. fa- he may just have lost his fastball. I, I don't he doesn't when he runs, he's just running. He's not running, he's not Mahomes. He's running looking forward. He's running to run. Yeah. I just is it possible? He just doesn't get it back and he's he, this is what he is.
6: Yeah, boy, that would not be good for Cleveland. They owe him a couple of pennies there. So, um, you know, the accuracy has really been a problem. He is just missing routine throws. And I think his mechanics have fallen apart. Um, Lower body. And, again, that's something you can work on. You and I don't know how he's being coached. We don't know the answer to that he is missing so many routine throws, Colin. I don't think he's struggling to understand where to throw the ball as much as he's missing routine throws. And as you and I both know, you cannot miss layups in this league. You just can't. And he is missing so many of those and it's really limiting what they can do offensively.
3: Yeah. No, I think, and I think you're right. It's, it's mechanics. And I, I, I've said this by Josh Allen. By the way, sometimes even Mahomes occasionally gets off the rails a little bit. And now he doesn't. He hasn't in the last year. But a couple of years ago, he got off the rails, and it took Andy about three weeks to get his mechanics back that's exactly right that's in that playmaking
6: quarterbacks playmaking quarterbacks colin tend to have that issue at times because they can always they know they can make special plays outside of structure so when they get back to playing in structure sometimes their mechanics fall apart just a little bit so in los
3: angeles uh the talk is brandon staley has to win this week uh, it's been his defense for years. They give up more third and longs than anybody huh. I've ever seen. It's incredible. Yeah. And by the way, they returned almost all these starters, and they're still in the wrong place all the time. So you have something from Tennessee Tannehill against them.
6: Yeah, you know, let me just say real quick that one, one of their main issues on defense is really technique. Their rush and their coverages are not matching up the way that I'm sure they're being coached. You know, Brandon Staley, look, you know, he's not a stupid guy. But for whatever reason, it's not meshing with their rush and their coverage working the way it's supposed to work. But anyway, Tennessee a really intriguing team. They're not one of those national teams people talk about, but they've got a really good defense. And I think offensively, they're going to get better. Now, the O-line could be a concern, but they're going to do some really interesting things under Tim Kelly And I want to show this touchdown from last week against the Chargers, which I thought was a great red zone concept. And we can take a look at it right now. It ended up being a Tannehill touchdown run. Um, But there was a lot of elements to this. And, you know, quarterbacks that can run, Collins, you know, in the red zone make things interesting. Oh, yeah. So you can see Tannehill here in the shotgun. And he's going to be flanked here in what we call the pony package, meaning two running backs by Derrick Henry on his left and Tajay Spears on his right. And they're going to show the defense basically a power gap scheme run inside. And what that, that is going to do is influence the two stacked linebackers. They're going to react to the pulling right tackle. And you're going to see that. They're going to react to that. They start moving in that direction. But that's just a, a fake. That's run action to create indecision and hesitation for the defense. Now, the second part of this is the speed option. So it's Tannehill and Henry. Henry. And now, because of the linebackers being influenced at the second level, there's only one player who can defend this, and that's Derwin James. And you see that. So now he can't play two guys. He can't play Tannehill, and he can't play the pitch to Henry. He can only play one, and he chooses Henry, and Tannehill just goes into the end zone for the touchdown. This was a really beautifully designed play, really well executed and you're gonna see this more, these kinds of things more with quarterbacks that can run, particularly in the red zone where it's extremely effective. Greg
3: Cosell,
6: forty-four years. NFL
3: films. As always, great stuff. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Colin. Appreciate it.
0: It's Freddie Prinz Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey Jeff.